Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, so you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pretty big name guests. I've seen your your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's totally gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. Hey, today's Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. It's episode 294 of the podcast presented by Believe Podcast Network, the podcast network that totally reeks of awesomeness. It's the number one podcast network for professionals based in the city of Los Angeles. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? You better. Before we uh, jump into today's full episode with Vention founder and podcast host Christian Peterson, who was kind enough to invite me on his show to talk about podcasting, I also wanted to share a brief video that was sent to me by Lecrae's team of all people. Lecrae, you know, being known for his music, he's a Christian rapper and a hip-hop artist. He's done great things with Dwayne Wade and the, the likes of Barack Obama with This Is Fatherhood, as well as a bunch of other campaigns. You know, I sent him a video of few weeks back requesting to get him on the show, uh, but he wasn't available at the time during the holidays. But, you know, instead of shutting me down altogether, like a lot of people do on this show, he was kind enough to send me a short little video in return, which I thought was very neat. So we'll jump into episode 294 with Christian Peterson following this quick message from Lecrae talking about finding his faith at a very young age, why he thinks rap is uh, violent uh, in today's world, because I think it's violent, and that's why I asked the question. And, uh, you know, why he was inspired to team with Dwayne Wade for This Is Fatherhood. So thanks so much again, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks again to Lecrae, and let's rock and roll. What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you you asked me a couple questions, and I tell you the moment when I experienced the true faith was when I was 19 years old, heard the gospel for the first time, bow, wrecked me, changed my whole trajectory, my whole life. Um, the reason why I think the majority of hip-hop genre um, sounds the way it sounds is uh, because, you know, I, I, uh, of of the, the culture, where it comes from. I did a TED Talk, check it out. Uh, it's... The only TED Talk I have, so good on YouTube and check that out. It'll explain a lot for you. And uh, what inspired me to partner with This Is Fatherhood was a good friend of mine told me about the opportunity. And uh, me growing up without my father made me say, hey, I want to I want to participate in something that's game changing and life changing. Uh, so I want to be what I didn't see and give what I didn't have. So much love to you, champ. Uh, God bless. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it.
subject. What's going on, Christian? I've never actually seen how efficient these Rode uh, audio systems are. That was actually know, really it's so, cool. It's so easy. You usually have to like edit my music in. You I know. actually did it right in front of us. I know. It's, like as soon it's, as you hit so record. Much fun. Um, and then this is like Bluetooth and stuff, so I can actually play music and stuff off of my phone. That is actually you could awesome. even call people. No way. So if you have any references, just at any random point. Now you're just flexing. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, well. That's high praise coming from somebody also in the podcast game. That's right. So uh, what what's the name of your podcast? It is The O Show. It is available on all podcast platforms except for Spotify for some reason, which I got to get to because Spotify is like one of the number one places people yeah. do. Everyone, like my friends, oh, where's where your show? It's like I, I can't find it anywhere. It's like you probably <laughs> go on Spotify. It's not there. They're like, that's that's idiotic. Dude. You got to You got to get on Spotify. So I got to fix that soon. But yeah, Apple Podcasts, tune in. Uh, iHeartMedia, wherever you get your podcast that isn't Spotify, go check it out. Yeah, and what is it about? It is, a, it's literally um, a resume builder for me at this point because I literally talk to anybody and everybody. Like, I don't specifically limit it to one thing. I think when I started it, it was about sports mm-hmm. because obviously my goal is to become a sports broadcaster. I'm a sports broadcaster here on campus at GCU. We got a women's basketball game today. I'll plug that for a second, 2 p.m., uh, only on GCTV and YouTube. But for me, as a podcaster, my original goal was to make it all about sports, talk about current sports topics. But then I figured I was kind of limiting myself if I did that. Mm-hmm. Not only just talking about sports, but just talking about topics that'll be irrelevant a couple months from now, you yeah, know, six yeah. months down the road. So it became an Obviously, I started reaching out to some people, started getting in contact with some pretty cool guests, some guys I grew up watching on TV, whether it was in the sports or music industry. I'm a big rock and roll guy, come from a big music family, big musician family. And uh, at this point, I'm three years in, and I've been able to interview tons of great people that, again, like I grew up idolizing some of my heroes growing up, whether it was in uh, baseball, rock and roll, the film industry. And it really just became about me doing interviews, kind of building my interview skills, and at the same time getting to tell really cool stories that nobody's ever heard before. Because, like, you see people go on, like, press weeks where they do a ton of interviews, they get asked the same questions, and I make it a point to watch all of those and think, like, what can I ask them that they've never heard before that so that we can actually spark a real conversation as opposed to... Uh, asking about the game or what they're promoting, you know, like it's boring for them, you know, like, and at the same time, they know what to expect going in. So like they have a game plan Mm -hmm. and you'd like for them to kind of get thrown off guard a little bit and actually have a cool conversation with someone and think, okay, like this guy I can relate to. So for me, it started out as a sports show and it's kind of evolved into something more along the lines of what like Joe Rogan does not to compare myself to the number one podcast out there, but I'm going to, I just like talking to people in general. If I could build as many interviews as I possibly can and get to know a ton of people, I feel like I'm not only am I going to improve my interview skills professionally, but personally, I'm just going to be able to uh, get a better grasp for things on the world. Absolutely. That's super cool. Uh, yeah, uh, it sounds very similar to like kind of kind of what I'm doing, but like I don't consider myself an interview person. I just love talking. It's to very people. easy, dude. Like I, I didn't start out as like the best interview person. If you go back to like one of my first 50 episodes, honestly, and they're all still out there. It's, it's and how garbage. many are you out on right now? Uh, this up so today, I think one dropped. It was 281. So I'm creeping close to 300. I, I try and get out like three or four episodes a week. Like at this point, it's instilled in my brain that I have to do at least three episodes a week. Like I don't allow myself anything less. That's awesome. So like you get to that point where you're self-disciplined enough yeah. to where like doesn't even hurt you mentally. So yeah. and, and a majority of the time you're on Zoom, correct? Correct. Yeah. Well, with COVID and everything, it's kind of like a godsend that, I mean, I don't want to say it's a godsend that this all happened, but at the same time, people are starting to appreciate things a lot more given that they couldn't hang out with their friends or, or whatnot. Um, But Zoom, it's great because it's good for content Mm -hmm. because most of the times early on when I'd get guests, it'd be over the phone. Yeah. 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 Like, or in person, which is hard to do, but every now and then I get people in person, but most of the time it was over the phone. Now that people have kind of mastered Zoom in a sense, I don't, 
don't know if everybody's mastered Zoom. Mm-hmm. It sucks sometimes, but yeah. for the most part, it's good for content because you get the two faces, you get a good conversation, and people can relate to like your body language as opposed to over the phone, you ask a question or tell a joke. I love to like tell jokes with my guests, and then it's five seconds of awkward silence after that on the <laughs> other line. It's like, yeah, Jack, I totally agree. It's like, okay. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Zoom has been one of the more productive things that has come out of this mm-hmm. personally. I know for most people, they want to get back to a normal living, but for an interviewer who has a podcast, like that was a godsend that people yeah. kind of figured that out. Yeah, that's super cool. And it's a bit more personable in that way. Exactly. Like, again, reading their body language yeah, is yeah. key. That's like when you you reached out and said you want to do this at GCBC. I'm like, I'm all for that because like we can actually like have a civil conversation yeah. as opposed to like over the phone where I can't really read what your 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 body language is or what your attitude is going into it. And yeah, at the yeah, same yeah. time with like Zoom, it might cut out every now and then, which is the worst feeling in the world. Like if you have a big guest on and then all of a sudden you hear them lagging out, you're like, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. Yeah. And then the, then you lose them for like 15 minutes mm-hmm. and then they come back. It's like, oh, are we good? I'm like, uh, I hope so. You're like, you want to still do the interview? Yeah. That's always my biggest fear. But yeah, Zoom to me has been amazing. I love it. Yeah. Talking about those big guests, like, uh, do you have any like favorites or like so far people? Um, I talked to Kobe Smolder. She's an actress. I don't know if you watched the show How I Met Your Mother, but she played Robin Scherbatsky, and that's my favorite show of all time. Like I, I've been doing a ton of interviews over the past few months, and one of the publicists I reached out to, he's the publicist for Corey Taylor, who's the lead singer of Slipknot, and I'm a big rock and roll guy, so I got that interview. And as a thank you, I guess for that interview. He was like, yeah, I have a few other clients here. He gave me a full list. Like, I didn't recognize most names, like some SNL cast members, but her name was right in the middle. And he was just like, yeah, let me know. I'll let you do like a quick meet and greet with one of these as like a thank you uh, for the interview with Corey. And she was really the only name I recognized. And I'm like, that's Robin Scherbatsky. Like, that's one of my favorite shows of all time. (laughs) Like, I'll definitely do that. It was literally supposed to be like a one minute, 60 second meet and greet for free, like I think I was looking at the prices for those. It was like over 250 bucks for a mm-hmm. 60-second conversation with someone, but I got it for free. And I was waiting for like a half an hour, uh, waiting, like literally the screen's buffering. Like I already got the call, like Kobe Smolders wants to like join a chat or whatever. And I'm on my phone watching it buffer for like 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like trying to smile, but at the same time, like, come on. And... Uh, Finally, like after 40 minutes, she answered. She's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, whatever. And you could see a timer in the top right corner going down like 60, 50, 40. And she's like, yeah, I'm so sorry. And I see her tapping the screen, and it goes from one minute to like 35 minutes. Uh, And I was like, oh, crap. Like I I was preparing for like, oh, I'm a big fan, and maybe one how I met your mother question. And at this point, like, again, doing interviews, like I said, repetition, doing three, four episodes a week with people – gaining that interview experience and kind of molding your craft in a sense as an interviewer. I was, I wasn't even nervous because I knew that I knew the show like the back of my hand, you know? So I was like, okay, like I have to talk to her for 35 minutes now. I think I can make this work. And she was by far like the sweetest, coolest person I've ever gotten the chance to interview. And it was probably the biggest um, amount of feedback I've ever gotten on a show just because of who she was. And a lot of people recognized her, but that was probably my favorite interview in a sense of that's my favorite show of all time and i got to interview one of the main cast members in that show that's so cool yeah uh, so much fun i i see most of your stuff on uh linkedin which is where i find uh where i find good place to promote stuff oh yeah people listen um and so i i've gone through a few of them and stuff like that and i found that clip and i was like whoa that's super cool (laughs) and i haven't seen the show but like I, i i was listening to you and i was like Either he studied a lot or he just knows the show like the back of his head. Oh, my God. I've been watching it since I was like 10 years old, and I told her that. She's like, we started in 05, so you must have been like six, seven years old. There's no way you started like when we started. But uh, <laughs> she, she was awesome, dude. Like there's some people that you interview going into it, and you think like, oh, man, like they're just going to big league me in a sense of just like, all right, let's get this over with. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah. so like asked me like what my situation was, like where I live, like 
where do I go to school? Like she interviewed me for the first 10 minutes of our conversation. That's so cool. Like she was not in a rush at all. Yeah. But then you get some people like you go in expecting them to be cool and yeah. they're not at all. Like I've had a few of those. I won't name any names, but there's a few people I kind of walked out thinking like, man, that they are not what I thought they were going to be. Hmm. But in a sense, it's like you, they say like never meet your heroes because yeah. you never know what they're like. I want to meet all of my heroes to see exactly what they're like because then there's like no blind spot, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I feel like a lot of people idolize and glorify some people in that sense of like they're amazing what you see on screen. I mean, I think we saw it and I'll name her because I don't know her personally, but Ellen DeGeneres uh, was like the nicest person in everybody's eyes, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, she became... uh, I guess evil in a sense over the past few months. I mean, I haven't really kept up to date with it, but just as an example, like not everybody's what they seem on TV. Yeah. And it's kind of like, especially like in in like the TV world and stuff like that, once one situation happens, it kind of like snowballs. Exactly. Um, And then everybody starts speaking up about it and stuff like that. I know one person speaks and now there's like hundreds of employees that are saying that she's just the worst human being ever. And, And it could even just be like the... It's kind of ruthless in the fact that, like, even they'll 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 uh, pick out like a a nitpicky instance that had like nothing to do or like correlate with it, but they'll throw themselves in it as if it's like, oh yeah, I I totally understand. Me too, what man. You're Ditto. Me too. Me three. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just like, ah, that stinks. Oh my god, I don't feel bad for her though. I don't really know anything about the situation. So, what's the next topic, Christian? Anyways, um, you, I think that's Perfect super cool. Segue. Like. A perfect segue. Um, broadcasting and stuff like that. What, uh, what's the goal? The g- main goal is to be a sports broadcaster, honestly, either in Major League Baseball. That, that'll be the one sport that I will call games if I ever get to that level. Mm. I spin everything else. Like I, I, I love all sports, NFL, NBA. I'm very casual when it comes to that, though. I'm a diehard MLB guy in baseball, mm-hmm. minor league baseball as well. Um, but just doing sports here on campus, and it's good to be well-versed in all sports because yeah. most likely you're going to have to do multiple sports in order to get a steady paycheck. But uh, baseball, what do we got? Uh, men's and women's basketball, men's and women's volleyball, men's and women's soccer, softball. Um, getting to do all of those sports, like you get used to it. You, mm-hmm. you build relationships with coaches and players. But baseball has always been the one that has come naturally to me. I, I can show up without any notes and call a baseball game. I cannot do that for any other game. Yeah. Even women's basketball today, I had to prep at least 20 hours in advance. So what exactly do you do? Um, For game prep, we actually get shifts, which is nice. But, like, we go on, you know, gclopes.com. We read all the stories that whoever puts them out, whether it's Paul Coro or some of the other staff writers Mm -hmm. who interview coaches daily and go to practice. But we also go to practice as well, talk to the coaches, talk to players, try, again, build those relationships, what we can say on air, what we can't say on air. Uh, And, again, just do a lot of nitpicking, a lot of uh, digging into information that's going to be, you know, useful for the game on both sides. And the one thing that a lot of people don't really do is, or at least not think of, is to uh, look online and look at the other teams that we're playing. Like Weber State we're playing today, and luckily there's a ton of information on them because their SIDs um, uh, have their websites up to date, but for the most part it is so hard to find information on other teams. Hmm. And it's so difficult because eventually, and sometimes, it doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes you run out of things to say on air, mm-hmm. and you just have to reiterate stuff or try and tell stories that players told you from the past or Hopefully, if you have a good commentator with you, you could bounce off them and tell good stories, mm-hmm. which doesn't happen all the time either. Uh, but from a game prep standpoint, yeah, it's about finding as much information that you could find. Uh, and at the same time, kind of twisting it in a way where like you're using your own voice and your own personality, which is yeah. what I think a lot of young broadcasters who's ever listening out there has a tough time uh, doing because... This is a business where you grew up watching 65-year-old white guys mm-hmm. uh, call baseball games, fo- football games, whatever, Joe Buck for Fox Sports. I grew up with Michael Kay on the Yes Network for New York Yankees baseball growing up in New Jersey, right outside Manhattan. Um, but to me, as a sports broadcaster, my goal is to kind of change that game in a sense. Like, it's 2020. 
I don't want it to be like a millennial thing where I come in and start rapping or something and just totally disrespect everybody for what they do. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I want to kind of do a different thing. Like I said, I'm a big rock music guy. Like 80s rock, it was all about like uh, uh, poofy hair, uh, leather jackets, whatever. And then Kurt Cobain came in with Nirvana mm -hmm. and the whole grunge scene kind of changed the way people looked at rock music. I kind of want to go in there and kind of revolutionize the broadcast game and change things for the better. Because again, like, and I've even talked to this about, um, or I've talked about this subject with many uh, professional broadcasters. John Boog, Sean B. for ESPN was one of them. And he was just like, I absolutely agree. Like, Everybody comes into this thinking that they're going to be like a 65-year-old white guy, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not exactly the dream for a yeah, lot of yeah, yeah. young kids, especially at our age, given the times in 2020. So, to me, it's all about kind of revolutionizing um, the industry at the same time building my own character, my own, you know, mystique on the air. I don't want to just be another voice on the air. Yeah, yeah. I don't... I mean, I guess eventually I'm going to have to fall in line wherever I go whoever I'm working for, but at the same time, I want to be able to do whatever I want to do. Mm -hmm. And talking about like that whole new generation and stuff like that, like um, uh, people that are just like, for me, just being like an outsider, I would assume that like a majority of the people that would kind of go into this uh, like realm of broadcasting and stuff like that are the people that are like just sports brains. Like oh, yeah. I, I have quite a few friends like that. Uh, one of my friends actually considered going into broadcasting as well and stuff like that but they they're just on top of the ball on of every sport like all the players and everything um but broadcasting doesn't necessarily have to come from the um like those extremely knowledgeable about sports do you think i don't think and trust me i've been in that boat where you walk in and you're like okay this is gonna work this person is a sports fanatic like uh -huh. just a brainiac but then i've also worked with people who don't know anything about sports like why are you even here mm -hmm. like in the sense of like it's almost like you just want to be on tv yeah and you will be exposed quickly if you don't know anything like and i've even had experiences like that myself where i know what i'm talking about but that at the same time i'm not as prepared as i wanted to be mm -hmm. and you get exposed quickly yeah. you know and you, you hear it from people because hundreds of people are watching online i mean i don't know how many people are watching our gcu games this season, probably a lot since they're not actually allowed in in the stadium. So we probably have a little bit more pressure on us. Mm -hmm. um, but from that sense, yeah, it, it's a very difficult thing because, like, the second you're exposed, you have a ton of people who are like, oh, I can't listen to this guy, and then they turn it off. You know, yeah, yeah. you have to kind of gain that trust from your listeners and your viewers, and I feel like I've done a decent job with that. Not too many complaints. I mean, people aren't going to openly, unfortunately, uh, go out of their way to complain to you which I kind of don't like. Hmm. I, I kind of like being insulted rather than complimented. I always get weird uh, reactions from that, <laughs> but I feel like you grow and learn a lot more when people uh, give you, I guess, constructive criticism or insults yeah. rather than patting you on the back, telling you you did a great job. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, I'm into art and stuff like that, yeah. like drawing and all that kind of stuff. And it's, like, the best thing for criticism. Yeah. Um, and they literally said that the worst thing for an artist to hear is a good job. Because like you the, can't grow. The, yeah, the like, moment they tell you a good job, you're just like, ah, oh, come on. Well, That's probably very, very difficult, like, creating some of those pieces and then people kind of just articulating on every single oh, yeah. thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Being an art critic, I'm sure, is just absolutely insane. Because, like, people are just going to critique you on critiquing of somebody else critiquing. Like, I definitely have an eye for that kind of stuff. Like, I'm a creative mind. You're obviously a creative mind doing all of that stuff. I, I couldn't imagine being that guy who critiques it, though. Like, I could look at a piece of art and kind of, like, connect with it in a sense of, like, okay, I know what this is about. I know mm -hmm. what kind of story he's trying to tell. But at the same time, I couldn't sit there and think, like, wow, like, that could have been better. This could have been better. Like, I, yeah. I just don't have an eye for that stuff. Yeah. And, like, you don't know what's intentional, what's yeah. not intentional. Like, um, yeah, like, some people that are, like, super surrealism um, or, like, um, the complete opposite of, like, just, like, complete crazy nonsense. And yet they could probably paint, like, beautifully, like, realistically. And it's like, okay, so what are they actually trying to say? And then you just get a bunch of people trying to make up answers and stuff like that. And so you're like, eh. And in reality, the person just ran out of purple paint. And it's yeah. like, and you're like, oh, okay. Just I dumb like, it down for us, man. Yeah. 
<laughs> and so I, I always think it's funny, but yeah, it's, it's totally true. Like, uh, constructive and non-constructive criticism almost uh, like when people almost just have like that blatant, like, uh, backlash, like, um, initial reaction, it's almost like more genuine Yeah, because you can almost understand like what people's first view is like first initial reaction. Um, and it's like, it'll have a way bigger impact on yeah. you. Like it'll sting in the moment for sure. Like I'm yeah. not saying like, it's not easy, even when you expect it and want it, it still stings, Yeah, but you're going to grow a lot more in the long run as opposed to being told, man, you're awesome. Like that, that's my mom. Like after every broadcast, like great job, sweetie. It was perfect. <laughs> I'm like, it was not perfect. No, it wasn't. Not at all. Mom. Tell me I suck. Please spit in my face. Do whatever you got to do to actually motivate me. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big supporter on it. There's some people who just don't get that. Like, oh, I can't take criticism. It's like, well, then oh, there's yeah. the door. Get the hell out because yeah. you're not going to grow. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, especially in the broadcasting world, I would assume that you'd have to pretty much be very backboned. Oh, 100%. Like, I want to create a support system in a sense where we can all get in a room together and talk about our... Um, you're horrific in this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like I have a buddy, Kyle Borg, who goes here and he does broadcasting with me. Me and him have a great relationship because we can always tell each other, be upfront with each other. Just like, yeah, that was bad. Like we, we need to work on that. And like, we'll go back and forth about our own stuff and we help mm. each other with our own stuff. But there's other people that uh, we've worked with in the past that just can't take it, you yeah. know? And it, it's frustrating because it's, like, you know you want them to get better, but at the same time, it's like, you're not going to get better if you, if you can't take any heat Yeah. in any job, whether it's broadcasting, business, anywhere you work. Yeah. You're going to have to get, not yelled at, but you're going to have to take things and hear things that you don't necessarily want to hear in order to grow. Yeah. And th But there's, like, a very fine line in, like, with people that, like, uh, on the mainstream broadcasting, I'm sure you would have to probably work with people that you've never worked with before. Exactly. Um, That's actually today for me. First time with the, with the new professional broadcaster that they're bringing in. Yeah. I hope he's cool. <laughs> I really hope he's cool. But, but there's like that fine line between constructive and destructive and like, oh, 100%, and yeah. um, if you're unfamiliar with that person, that, that, that line could be blurred at times. Right. And I'm glad you bring that up. I don't want to make it seem like I'm just yelling at everybody left and right. But, oh no. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have to build a relationship and a, a rapport exactly. with people beforehand. Um, and at the same time, speaking about that fine line, you can't just go overboard and make them feel like yeah, utter yeah. crap too. Yeah, exactly. Like there, there's, I feel like a lot of parents have that issue raising kids where it's like, all right, I have to uh, discipline my kids, but at the same time not beat them up so much to where it, it leads down a certain road. You know, yeah, like yeah. you have to, it has to be again, like quote unquote constructive criticism as opposed to you just bashing them left and right. I know me personally, I could take whatever, but at the same time, I know other people are not the same way. Mm -hmm. So you got to structure it in a, in a way where it's going to benefit them and not completely destroy their minds and have their minds turn on them and think another way. So yeah, there's exactly. definitely that. Um, so like for today, for instance, like you haven't met him before. I have not. I've gotten cliff notes on him. Oh. And uh, apparently, and again, I'm a big classic rock music guy, which kind of paves way for good relationships with uh, old guys. <laughs> and this guy, I think, is in his mid-50s, so hopefully he's a big classic rock guy and we could uh, gel right away talking about music before we go on the air. Because, again, that's another thing. You'll notice it right away. If you don't have good chemistry with your, your color commentator, yeah. your play-by-play -play guy, it does not come off well on the air. And it, it'll come off like, okay, these two obviously don't know each other. Yeah. And sometimes you get that with broadcasters um, obviously learning the ways like we all are. None of us are perfect. Like, again, me and Kyle have a great relationship, and we have great broadcasts every time we broadcast together. Mm -hmm. and, and it's fun. It's enjoyable. We have a conversation for two hours. People listen in, and we get paid for it, you know? So, uh Again, I hope the guy's cool. I'm going to be as cool as possible, tell some jokes. Hopefully he laughs, and uh, we build a good rapport. If not, don't tune in at 2 o'clock on uh, YouTube and GCU TV. Hey. <laughs> um, so, for, like you said, um, there's uh, so is there a head commentator and then a play-by-play? -play? So it's play-by-play -play and then color commentary. So the head guy is the play-by-play -play guy, which will, I think, be him. For today, because it's opening day for women's basketball and they brought in a professional guy to call those games. So I'll be color commentator, which is usually for like a former player or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you see like with Joe Buck, Troy Aikman's his color guy. 
So I guess I'm the Troy Aikman of GCU TV now for women's basketball, which will be stellar. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Usually for us, though, um, breaking into the business, it's going to be play-by-play broadcasters. Uh, but to answer your question, yeah, the main guy is the play-by-play guy, which is Barry Butel for men's basketball. Uh, and then there's Scott Williams, who's his color commentator uh, for men's basketball. He's three-time NBA champion with the Bulls during huh. those 90 Jordan runs. And... Um, yeah, I mean, the main goal for the play-by-play guy is to kind of set up the color commentator because he has the most experience actually playing the game at which it was. In this instance, I have no idea what women's basketball is all about, and I kind of have to uh, display it in a way where I'm kind of doing play-by-play alongside him as opposed to actually telling him what's going on down on the court because I did not play women's basketball growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the main guy is the play-by-play guy, and then color commentator kind of just backs up and comments on whatever he says, in a sense, just to keep the conversation rolling. Yeah. So going into this world, uh, are people pretty focused whether or not they want to be color commentator or play-by-play? Most of the times it's play-by-play because, again, the color commentator is usually the guy that played or the guy who has experience in whatever you're calling. It's a less learned role. Exactly. And play-by-play, you're basically spitting out all the information, all the big calls, you're basically narrating the thing, again, with your own voice, your own character, your own personality, uh, your own voice. Uh, but, yeah, going into this business, you want to be the play-by-play guy. Yeah. I don't think anybody's actually going in to be a color guy. And mm-hmm. for the most part, like I said, like if you're not the former athlete of that or former whatever, mm-hmm. you're not going to be a color commentator. Is there ever more than two? There is. I haven't done it personally, and I can't wait till I actually can because I feel like a broadcast with three-plus people – Typically three people, I think, that they go most in in a booth. It would be a great conversation. There'd be no dead air time. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the biggest fear anyone in the broadcast game has, like just dead air time, just a flat line for more than five, ten seconds. And sometimes, like in baseball, you need that because it's such a long game. But, like, you never would see that in a basketball game. But, man, me personally, I'd love to have three-plus people on. Like you see it on ESPN, Fox, whatever. We don't necessarily have the, the mic um inventory i guess to do that mm-hmm. yet they'll probably do it soon after i graduate probably because that's usually how, th- how uh, things work um but i'd love to get on a headset with a play-by-play guy and then two color guys to actually hash out conversations and tell stories i think the audience would get a lot bigger glimpse into what our personalities are if we were able to do that because for the most part we're still learning how to do this mm-hmm. and there's still blind spots to where it's like okay i don't know what to talk about i don't know how to have a, have a conversation on the air when it's censored you know like mm-hmm. the second like it's censored and you're on the air like you have to have a certain persona on as opposed to just being yourself and talking casually because I know me personally growing up on the east coast I kind of have that mentality I grew up with a father who again cursed all the time like it was very normal in our household so mm-hmm. it's like if i'm talking casually and then i say something i wasn't supposed to say you're gonna you're gonna get oust pretty quickly but yeah to answer your question uh three plus people in a booth i'd love to do that one day that sounds super cool <laughs> um how how do you get into this world i mean uh oh yeah one thing that i was considering um like is it pretty rare that somebody has the opportunity to do multiple sports uh, I wouldn't, I honestly say it would be less, um, common for people to do one. Like there's obviously team broadcasters. Uh, you see a lot of people like Joe Davis, for example, he's the play by play voice of the LA Dodgers, but he also does national work for Fox sports. Hmm. So for the most part, people are going to contact you if you're good enough and people have seen most of your work, you'll get a lot of freelance work outside of the actual things that you do. So there's a ton of broadcasters for the most part, most commonly, that work multiple jobs and call multiple sports. I know the play-by-play voice for the Milwaukee Brewers, he does work for Fox Sports Milwaukee for the Brewers, obviously. And then he does radio stuff, too, for ESPN, uh, Big Ten Network, uh, for college sports as well. So it's very rare, uh, in a sense. And I feel like a lot of people would enjoy calling action for one team, being like a team broadcaster as opposed to a national broadcaster, because as a national broadcaster... You're calling multiple sports on multiple networks. Yeah. Sometimes you're doing more than one game a day, too, traveling all over the place, which sounds great at first, and I'd love to have that experience hands-on, but at the same time, doing that for a decade plus, I think you'd probably get sick of that. Mm. But, yeah, for for the most part, people uh, have a lot of freelance work working for multiple networks calling multiple sports. 
So again, like to go back to what we were talking about earlier, I want to be in baseball, but at the same time, I need to be well-versed in all sports because yeah. you never know what opportunity is going to come up. Yeah. So not very many people are strictly focused. Like they, some people are like, like what you said with yeah. MLB, like they could be focused, but flexible. And you have to be flexible in just about any line of work. Right. Yeah. And it's good to be flexible because if you only have one talent, like that's going to grow old quick. Yeah. Like there's very few people that stick around and be the voice of one team or one network for 20 plus years, you know, mm-hmm. especially in today's world, nobody has a job for more than five years. Mm. Like, I feel like the norm growing up for our parents was like, all right, this is your job. And this is what's going to take you all the way through. Like yeah, my yeah. dad's been with the same company for 25 plus years, you know, like, I don't think that's ever going to happen for kids like us Yeah, because our minds are constantly evolving. We can see what's out there with technologies like on our iPhones. We could see like there's so much more opportunity out there mm-hmm. for most kids our age. I don't see people actually like sitting down and having a job for or having the same job, I should say, for more than five years, mm-hmm. you know, um, for like a network and stuff like that um, is like for a team, like for uh, yeah, for a team. Um do those broadcasters, do they travel with the team? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't personally as college kids. I'd love to, to travel uh, with the team. Again, build that rapport, build those relationships with players and coaches. But, yeah, main team broadcasters travel with the team. Uh, they're writing the bulk of things on uh, plane rides, bus rides, whatever. And it would be like a dream come true to travel all those ballparks, all those different cities, uh, oh, yeah. Eat at all these different types of restaurants like they probably do. Uh, I'm a big foodie myself, so I, I'd love to do that. Uh, and, and, again, build those relationships. Build those friendships with your broadcasters. You get to hang out with the other team's broadcasters before and after the games, too, which would be mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, just so much. And the biggest thing that I love getting into this and podcasting and broadcasting, my biggest aspect of it is the storytelling yeah. of everything. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a big sports fan or a big music guy or a big film guy, but more of just a guy who likes telling stories and like getting inside people's brains to like think outside the box. And uh, especially from a broadcaster standpoint, those guys just know how to talk. Like every broadcaster I've ever interviewed on, on my podcast, they just, they don't shut up, which I love. <laughs> like all of their answers, they elaborate for like, 12 plus minutes, which you don't get that with some other people. Yeah, you, know? yeah, yeah. you actually have to like work the interview. Uh, but for broadcasters, they just go on and on, tell stories. And like, I'd love to just be a sponge in a room and, and gain as much information and as m- much stories from some of the bigger names in broadcasting if I could. Yeah. Uh, but, but it doesn't seem like they're babbling. No, not at all. They have a ton of great information to, yeah. to talk about. And it doesn't seem like, seem like they're like stealing the attention or anything. Not like, at all. Like, it's just completely natural. Oh, and when you're in a room full of people who just blabber on about stuff, they all love it, too. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, in, in the world of uh, broadcasting and stuff like that, uh, full honesty, is it, is it toxic at all? Like, is there, That's a good like, question. Um, I mean, granted, everybody's different. Right. But, like, between teams, are there broadcasters that are, like, I don't like that guy. Oh, I'm sure. I, me personally, sure. Like as college students, sometimes we rub each other the wrong way, but like you got to have thick, thick skin. I've seen it personally. Yes. Though with people who are like, I can't work with this guy. And those are the guys that are under contracts. And since I wouldn't say it's like as toxic as politicians or even the music industry, (laughs) like I have a brother in the music industry and he like working with record labels and and all that stuff. Like it is a very, I'm sure backstabbing, um, blackmailing uh, business like it's very heartbreaking to see that like very like you could have a 20-year relationship with this label and then they just stab you in the back hmm. like it's on to the next big thing but from a broadcast perspective uh yeah i mean i again i've seen it personally on some level with people just saying man i can't work with this guy it's been three years but like we just don't get along at all mm-hmm. Because, like, as soon as that camera hits and that red light's on, you just have to put a smile on your face and act yeah. like you're, you're best friends. Yeah, but you don't see that, like, there's... And you don't see that growing up, like, as a kid watching games uh, on ESPN or Fox Sports. Like, I, I, I would love to see how many people don't have a good relationship with Joe Buck. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you, but, like, me growing up, nobody liked Joe Buck. I think Joe Buck's the greatest broadcaster in sports. <laughs> and there's a reason that he calls all the big games, because he is one of them. Mm-hmm. I know his dad was a great broadcaster, and that's how he got into it. But Joe Buck's a great voice, but I'd love to see how many people just rubbed him the wrong way and didn't get along with him on the yeah. air. 
and, and I guess that's kind of like a, like it's an odd question, but it's like, it's kind of real fair. because I mean, because it, it's that's like everywhere, right? You, you don't like it, yeah. It's uh, like you said, like everywhere in media, like especially music industry and stuff like that. But it, like yeah, you you all you hear is the smile, uh, like like exactly. you, you have no idea, and so like I guess, I guess it's kind of like, um, prepping people just like just that slight little maybe they might not like you. <laughs> exactly. And that being in the broadcast industry, this kind of goes along with that. Like you, you see right through their smiles on the air, mm-hmm. like growing up, it's like, Oh man, I'd love to do this. And then as soon as like you get a good feel for what it's like in this industry, like you see people just on their phones pregame, like not, nobody's interacting with each other. But as soon as the camera turns on, like the fake smiles come up and it's like, welcome inside alongside my uh, partner in crime here. It's like, dude, you weren't even talking to him five seconds ago. Yeah. And now, now you guys are best friends. And like, you're it's so bizarre. And like, stuck I, with and, I, and I watch games on TV like that. I'm like, this is so fake. Yeah. Like that's the one thing I want to bring to the broadcast industry is more realism in a sense. Authenticity. Like, authenticity. Like you see that with, um, not to say that they're like the greatest sports outlet at the moment, but Barstool Sports, I guess, has done a phenomenal job kind of uh, listening to their audience in that sense of being hmm. authentic, having that authenticity at the same time being very brash, which some of it is like, okay, kind of over the top, but for the most part, like they're listening to their audience and that's what makes them different mm-hmm. from the ESPNs and the Fox sports. And that's why those outlets don't like them because mm-hmm. ESPN and Fox very censored. They have an agenda. This is what we're going to talk about. This is how you're going to say it. Where Barstool is a lot more open, do whatever the hell you want to do. Just make sure it's good content that yeah. our audience can get behind. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's so much. I don't want to say it's all fake because all broadcasters, when you talk to them, are all great people, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's in sports or uh, anywhere else, political realm, just in the media industry in general. All great people with a ton of great stories. It's just like when you go on air, for whatever reason, people have like that broadcast voice. Yeah. And I, I fall in line with that, too. Like as soon as that camera turns red, it's like, oh, welcome inside. Like a totally different person, Yeah. which is, I'm just trying to eliminate that in the sense of like, I want to be authentic, but at the same time, I know I can't say certain stuff on the air. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I'm learning right now. What is your broadcast voice? <laughs> You're going to have to tune in, dude. Like I, I couldn't even, uh, 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 do it right now for you. Really? Be, yeah. I, I don't know. Like you have to go back. Camera's rolling. Oh no, no you can't do it, dude. Like <laughs> I have to be on the air for like this entire different persona to come out. Huh? Yeah. Just tune in later. You'll, you'll hear it. It's, I don't even recognize it. I can't even recognize it on the air. Like when I go back and listen to it, I'm like, I don't know who the hell that is, but it's just, it just happens. It just happens. And it's just developed over time. I'm trying to get rid of it, but it just doesn't seem to uh, want to leave. What are you trying to get rid of? Just, again, like that persona, like that uh, fake voice that you feel like you have to have when you're yeah. being listened to by hundreds of people online, you know? Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest, like, that's that's the wall I'm trying to break through mm-hmm. where I can just, like, have a conversation with the people listening as opposed to just being, like, this fake guy. Just welcome inside the GC arena, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's, that's the biggest thing for me. And I'm sure, like, personable, like, uh, podcasting is... Uh Helping along with that. Oh, yeah, totally different. Like, I think when I started out, I probably had a certain voice, but the more and more I've got into it, I'm like, Next nobody's going to. Yeah, nobody's going to listen to it that way. So, like, <laughs> and the more comfortable you get, the more you just have a civil conversation with someone, the less you kind of like care. Like, to me, I've gotten to a point where I've done so many interviews, like, and I do it because I love it. Like, you do this because you love it. You yeah. know, like, we're college students, we're not getting paid anything nope. to really do this. Um, so just make it your own, do what you want to do. Who cares who listens to it at the end of the day? Like yeah. at the same, if it's good content and, and you get good guests and you, they tell great stories, that's, what's going to take you. So yeah. just try and be authentic as possible. That's, that's my biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how would people get into the world of broadcasting? Is it kind of just like a, uh, it's almost like a lifelong dream kind of, um, kind of career. Yeah, like personally me, like I knew I wanted to do it since I was five years old. I would assume most people are like that in this. And yeah, most people you talk to are like that. Every now and then you get someone who's just like, yeah, I didn't even want to do this coming out of college. And it kind of just like happened. Like obviously there's like God sent things where people get called to do something. Um, But from a breaking in standpoint, it's who you know. Yeah. Networking. Oh, yeah, yeah. LinkedIn.com, ladies and gentlemen. 
and especially in this generation, I, I can't speak for generations past trying to break into the broadcast industry, mm-hmm. but in this generation, I feel like it's easy. Like if you want it bad enough and you know how to get there, it's very simple uh, reaching out to people, uh, create a LinkedIn account, Instagram, Twitter, wherever. You could find all of these people. Yeah. All of these broadcasters are out there. You just got to find their information, reach out, and hope for the best. I've been very fortunate to have a ton of great people in, again, MLB, uh, just the media industry in general, mm-hmm. uh, get back to me with great feedback on my stuff. We've gotten a chance to sit down and talk with a few of them. Like They're very nice people. The one thing I've learned about the sports industry from an off-air perspective is that everybody is so kind. That's awesome. In the most part. Like, you have to take it and run with it. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you have to know what you're doing for them to feed you more information. But for the most part, they're great people, and they're going to set you up for success if if they know that you want it bad enough. So, yeah, uh, in 2020, I... For me personally, I think it's very simple. You just got to go out of your way to reach out to people, which some some people just don't see that mm-hmm. from from that lens, you know? Yeah. Like you grew up with people like, oh, how are you doing this? It's like, it's very simple. Like I wanted it, so I'm going after it. Yeah. And the, the connections are out there. You just have to find them. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing in like business college and stuff like that. Yeah. Because it's like um, people, people want you to... Um, to approach them and stuff like that, not necessarily pester them, but they also want you to show that you'll, you're committed enough to, to return because people, people may like nibble on like a, on, on bait or something like that of like a, a, a quick question or a quick something like that, but they kind of want to see you come back yeah, or see you at least um, be more persistent. Exactly. Like they, they, they want persistence. And, and if they, if they feel like you're not, really in for it they'll 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 toss you aside type yeah. of thing and, and it, it, again it goes both ways they're helping you out but eventually you're gonna have to help them out in yeah, a way exactly. which whatever you you can help them out with in a sense again we're college students we don't have much to offer yeah. uh but for the most part like i've built relationships with the voice of the angels victor rojas and i've talked to him a few times and he's helped me out a great deal his daughter's actually coming here next semester now two semesters from now for her freshman year in college. And I, I was able to set him up, get him in contact with Brian Mueller, whoever he needed to contact to like, make sure to like get her here on campus for a discover trip or whatever. So again, like whatever you can do again, we're college students. So again, yeah. we don't have much, if anything to offer to these professionals who have everything already. Yeah. Uh, but if you can find a way to, again, help them out in any way, like they're going to return the favor. Yeah. And that's how you build great relationships with people yeah. not just by getting stuff but actually giving stuff in return yeah i, th- I think the greatest asset of being a a um college student is not necessarily like a, a vast but a very uh a, a very big variety of a network at like an immediate like moment's notice oh, i yeah. think that's the coolest thing especially for gsu like um originally i was uh considering going to asu and uh, going for a business student, that it's nearly impossible. Like, um, so, some of my friends have mentioned, because the, the campus, it has the biggest student population in the world uh, for college. Yeah. And literally, they say that they see one of their classmates maybe, like, once a semester. Like, they, they recognize them, like, somewhere, and they're like, hey, look. Meanwhile, at GCU, you can, like, you pretty much know faces everywhere. Exactly. Uh, Especially like for you living on campus and everything. It's just like, boom, especially senior year, senior year welcome week. I mean, I know this year was a little different. I remember last year though, like living, I lived on Lopes way. So like every time I walked out the door, I was like, Hey Jack, how was your summer? Like that same conversation over and over again, which can get old, but like, yeah, as seniors now we, at this point, I know it's like, 20,000 plus kids, mm-hmm. but you feel like you know everybody. Like, yeah. you know all the faces. Where at yeah. ASU, I was in the same boat. I almost went to ASU. Uh, and again, in high school, you're kind of blind to a lot of things. All I was thinking of, like, oh, ASU, people know that school. Yeah. Like, that, it's I know big ASU. Name. Big name, a ton of opportunity, probably warm weather coming from the East Coast. Uh, but GCU, like, again, like, I remember they asked freshman year, it was like, did you choose GCU or did GCU choose you? It's like, well, obviously I chose to go here. Yeah. But in that sense, like, yeah, I, my plan wasn't to go here. Mm-hmm. Like, this was, again, just like a godsend thing where it just worked out the way it did. Yeah. And GCU's phenomenal. Like, a lot of people who who are outsiders looking in don't see much from GCU. Like, 
what's granted yeah, yeah, yeah. university, but actually going here, it's like, I wouldn't want to go anywhere else. I yeah. visited my buddies at Clemson or Boston college or wherever they are. It doesn't compare. Mm. This is one of the more nicer campuses. So yeah. many more resources. And again, in the broadcast standpoint too, we have a ton of more opportunity when it comes to the operations side, when it comes to the camera equipment that we have, all the graphics that we're able to put up just from a production standpoint, way better than most uh, student workers have anywhere else. Yeah. Um, recently, GCU was uh, going under and was basically taken over by an entrepreneur who pretty much revamped everything. And like our entrepreneurship like section is like huge. Like all of our professors like own their own businesses and stuff like that. And they're like, like they don't have to be teaching type of thing. And it's like super cool. Um, and I think that like being an entrepreneur, like you have to be on top of the ball. You have to be extremely relevant, like in modern times, like you have to keep modernizing and stuff like that. And so I think that flexibility of, um, having somebody that's like revamped the campus basically, um, with that mindset of like new and kind of like, um, while things are changing. And it's like that whole thing with about you and broadcasting and stuff like that. It's like, there's this whole new, like there's a newness that is like coming about that, um, that should be like pushed and like encouraged and not necessarily hindered and kind of just said like, Oh, but the old way is such and such. And I'm, again, I'm kind of an old school mind. Like Mm -hmm. I I listen to eighties and nineties rock music. I, I talk like, I, I interact with my friends like I'm 20 years older than them. Like I'm a very old school brain, but I kind of know that things have to evolve for the better. I'm not saying like make it so millennial to the point where oh, yeah, yeah, people yeah. 10 years older than us can't even watch us. But I'm, I'm just saying like revolutionizing it to a point where it's like you're not listening to a 65-year-old guy on the air. Or, and, and like what you're talking about with GCU, it, it's very hard to be that consistent with, with fresh and relevant ideas because – when things are going well, especially the first time around, when you finally hit that one breakthrough, you know, it takes some of that pressure off. Like mm-hmm. that edge is off in a sense where when things aren't going your way, you're motivated as hell to do whatever. Yeah. Like there's motivation behind it. When, when things are going well, that's when you have to put your, your foot on the pedal even more and keep going, keep breaking through barriers, keep breaking through walls and accomplishing things. Which I think especially kids at our age, when they're first having those breakthrough moments, like, oh, this is so cool. But then you kind of rest on your laurels a little bit. Like, you don't have the same mentality when, you know, you had that chip on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the more and more you get into it, the more and more you think, like, I need to accomplish more and more and more. And, you know, you not starve yourself in a sense, but you're always hungry for the next thing, yeah. you know? Absolutely. And you got to keep that balance, too. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing I always ask people. I'll ask you this, too. Uh, how, how do you, um, like, what's your, your game plan when it comes to balancing professional and personal things like trying to, again, cause like the biggest thing is to be happy above all yeah. anything else, be a happy, peaceful human being. Cause when you're happy and peaceful, I think that, um, is more motivational than being angry. And I know I like me personally, I, I've dealt with things where it's just like things didn't go my way and it really ticked me off. And you're motivated through that sense. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a great motivation, but at the same time, it is not beneficial in the long run. How do you uh, manage that in a sense of, uh, I, I need to be happy, but at the same time, accomplish big things in order to fulfill that satisfaction? Uh, I think the best way to do that possibly is um, bringing personal to professional as best as possible. Really? Um, basically, um, not necessarily loving every monotonous part of the process, but loving the overall goal and the overall vision of exactly where you want to go and what you want to do. Um, cause I, I never liked the idea of kind of getting like, uh, stuck in something, especially if it's like a, a lifelong career or something like that. Um, I feel like there should always be underlying morals and beliefs and things that, that you just inherently love about what you're doing, um, in anything. And that's, um, you should just, you should be passionate in, in, in life and just be able to understand what you, you like and understand what you are going for. So like, as far as like balancing happiness with like professional life and stuff like that, um, don't overdo yourself at all. Um, when it comes to professional stuff, like when it comes to the monotonous things, but ultimately know that you can step back 
and still know that you you want to be doing what you're doing. Oh yeah, I mean, I totally agree in that sense of, and it's hard for kids our age for the most part to find what they're passionate yeah, about. We're yeah. still young kids. We're still kind of going through life, Experiment. experimenting with things. I, I'm again fortunate enough to know what I wanted exactly what I wanted at such a young age. So yeah. I've been able to go on that path of doing what I want to do. But for most kids, it's tough. And at the same time, it's hard to realize that above all else, uh, it's going to sound cheesy, but you know, God's plan is bigger than Absolutely. A- a- any one of ours. Like, you know, like like you plan, God laughs. They say, you know, mm-hmm. like and it t- it took me a long time to realize that. Like I've always been on the path of doing things that I want to do, and then things don't go your way, and you're just like, oh crap, like what's going on? Like, and I got so frustrated. But like above everything else, you got to let stuff go, and you know, like let God take its course for you. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of things that I've wanted to do, talk to a lot of people that I grew up idolizing, like I said. So for the most part, I can't complain about things that don't go my way. Yeah. You just got to be happy with what you've accomplished and what uh, you're doing moving forward. Be happy with your game plan moving forward. It's never going to turn out the exact way that you think it's going yeah. to in your mind. You know, like things, like I read this quote, I forget what the exact quote was, but it's just like things are going to be different from what you expected but so much better from what you expected at the same time Hmm. so you just again like be happy in the moment for what you're doing build those relationships build those friendships build those stories that you're going to be telling for generations to come and uh uh, just keep working at it that's probably the biggest thing that you could tell someone who's trying to balance and i don't think there is a balance per se it's like you said like bringing personal stuff into professional uh, environments in a sense of you have to have a passion for what you're doing. If you don't love what you do, you're going to be miserable in the long run. You have to be passionate about what you're doing. Like you're doing this. Nobody's paying you to do this. Like I said, like we're doing this because it's a passion. I do my show because it's a passion. I do it three, four days a week with interviews. It's, it's hard. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like it, even though you have so much passion for it, there are times where it's like, why, like, why am I doing this? Like, yeah, yeah. It's hard, but once you break through and get to that next level, I mean, it's so satisfying and productive. Yeah. But there are such better things you can be doing with your time, Jack. Exactly. Like, I could be making so much more money doing something else, exactly. working at a brokerage firm or being a lawyer, being a doctor. I'm not, I'm but not, burnout I'm not a burnout is real. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't imagine having a passion for doing something like that. I know it pays the big bucks, but even some of those guys, it's like you really want to get into the medical business, being a doctor, or even like on the law side. There are lawyer. people passionate about it. You'd be surprised. Obviously. Well, obviously, yeah. Can't speak for them. And, and then there's also the balance between are they passionate about that or are they passionate about the money? <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of people that are driven towards the money, obviously. Another guy I interviewed, Jordan Belford, he's the, the wolf of Wall Street, the stock a broker that went to prison for many years because he laundered millions upon millions of dollars. He was obviously driven by one thing, the mm-hmm. money. Um, and that's a very, and again, I can't speak from experience, but from what I've seen, that's a very dangerous road to go down. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you have to be passionate about what you do and then the money will come second. You know, obviously yeah. you want to set yourself up good if you're raising a family, having kids, all that fun stuff. But you have, like first and foremost, you have to know what you want and you have to have some sort of morality behind it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like that's going to catch up to you. Yeah. It caught up to him in a big way. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that you should ever um, completely cut off what you're passionate about strictly because of money issues. Oh, um, and people will realize that always, quick. You should always find a way. Yeah. Um, always find a way to at least keep it relevant somewhere in your, in your interests and in your passions and things like that. And that's, um, partially like my encouragement behind like the podcast and stuff like that is to keep people passionate and to, to encourage people and uh, emphasize the fact that you can still be doing these things. You can still be passionate and understand and experiment and do all these different things without having to live your life one way. Because like what you said about like um, uh, you realize that it's fun um, understanding that like the spontaneity of life mm-hmm. when in reality people will live the life that they expect because that's the only life that they're going to try to live and like so that's literally stunning. you only live once make yeah. it the way you want it to like there's really no excuses like if you want to do that you're going to find a way to do it you yeah. know absolutely what are some of the podcasts that you listen to on a daily basis that inspire you in a sense 
funny story. I actually don't really listen to podcasts. I should. So refer me if way. I, don't worry I, I about literally, it. I literally, I'm podcasters. Just like, we don't listen to podcasts. Hey, I'm a, I'm an inquisitive person. Which is if what, I'm like on a plane or like a long four plus hour road trip, mm-hmm. that's when the podcasts break out for me. Yeah, I did listen to a lot of Joe Rogan this summer though, because mm-hmm. again, we were locked in our houses, not much to do. Yeah, so many inspirational podcasts he's done, just like with some of his guests. He has one with Kevin Hart from a few years ago. That's I, I'd recommend that. I've seen anybody. a few clips from that. Yeah, like totally. Uh, kind of changed the way I thought. And, and Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan and Howard Stern are my two idols when it comes to interviewers. I think they're the, the top two guys in the media industry when it comes to actually having a cool conversation with someone and having it be a real, authentic conversation yeah, without being so too carefree. Brashful. Exactly. Without being too brashful. And since I know Howard Stern went through his stuff, but they're not like barstool sports where it's like over the top rash. It's like college kids, basically like a frat boys interviewing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, be a little bit professional, but I think they're two of the greatest of all time in my sense. And it shows they're number one and two on every billboard when it comes to uh, media interviews. Yeah. But those guys to me are two of the inspirations that kind of like keep me going in a sense of like, that's what I want to do one day. They talk to everybody and everybody. They have people requesting to come on their show, you know, like mm-hmm. that. that's the, that's the stage that you want to get as a as a podcast guy or just a media uh, personnel in general. Yeah. So, uh, last uh, question. I know yeah. you got your next guest here already. Yeah. Hey, what's He's up? early too. He showed up like twenty minutes late. I know. I know. It is eight a.m. The day garage. after Thanksgiving. So it is. Yeah. Um. So last and final serious question. Well, it doesn't have to be last, but um, you're talking about like uh. Not necessarily entirely, but like modernizing like radio and broadcasting and stuff like that. And um, I'm I'm not completely familiar with the with the movie, um, with the series, um, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. But um, talking about modernization and stuff like that, uh, I think, and I think everybody should think this that uh, broadcasting should get a laughing track. Explain that. No, I'm just kidding. Elaborate on that, Christian. <laughs> Please tell me, tell me your thoughts on that. No, no, I, I want to know your thoughts on a laugh track on broadcasting. A laugh track on broadcast. So, so like, if I tell a joke, you just get that. Yeah, yeah. That you just get to press like, it. You just get to press like it. a sitcom. Yeah, exactly. I'd love that, honestly, because you most would? Of the, most of the time I tell a joke <laughs> and then I don't get feedback from my color commentator. Yeah. It's just like, well. You're not going to say anything, and we have, like, cough buttons so, like, you can't hear what we're talking about. And I'll hold it down. I'm like, nothing. Nothing at all. They're like, sorry, man. Wasn't funny. Uh. But that would be so great, honestly, (laughs) to turn a broadcast into a sitcom. It's never been done before. And, again, like I said, like, throughout this broadcast, like, doing things that have never been done before. Like, yeah, it's kind of out there. It's an outside-the-box idea. But I'd be down for that for a broadcast, (laughs) especially if you had a guest, like, someone who was on a TV show or, like, a comedian with you. Like, if I had Bill Burr next to me, Doing stuff, who's like one of my favorite comedians ever. Like I, that would be amazing. I'd I'd love to do that. Yeah, it's it's an outside the box idea. Who wouldn't at least entertain that idea as a director? Yeah, yeah. Do you think? Um, so there are directors for. Oh yeah, we we don't run it ourselves. Well, we, we I would have that. run it into the ground by now. I know that. Um, <laughs> um we would not be sitting here having this conversation if we didn't have directors. Do you think the radio is getting more irrelevant? No, because, again, people commute all the time to wherever they're going, whether it's work, going home, going to a soccer game, whatever. Yeah, um, especially need, when it comes to sports. Guys. Guys. Yeah, uh, especially in the sports industry, like sports broadcasting, that'll never be irrelevant. Yeah, like, because it's it, it couples with like media stuff. Media stuff might become irrelevant after a while because everybody's just streaming stuff on their phone. They don't yeah. really need that. But, yeah, for people who are just in the car who don't want to listen to music, like, it, it's huge. I mean, Howard Stern I don't think will ever be irrelevant. That guy will go until he, he'll, his heart stops. Yeah. I thought you were going to scoff at the laugh track. Dude, I am open to everything and anything when it comes to stuff like that. I'm trying to be as innovative as possible. That's when it comes hilarious. To like, I use so many weird catchphrases on the air that kind of catch people off guard. Like, what the hell did he just say? But like, those are the things that make you stand out as opposed to someone who's just literally narrating the game with yeah, a monotone yeah. voice the entire time. Like, Again, big rock and roll guy, I try and implement a lot of that into it. Like, I almost find myself singing sometimes on the air, huh. which people are like, that's different, but I like it. Like, it came off natural. And if, again, if you're yourself and you're as authentic as possible, it's going to come off well most times rather than not. Yeah. 
That's super cool. Thank well, you. thank you so much for uh, joining me. Thank you me. for inviting me, dude. I, I never get GCBC anymore. We're doing this at GCBC at 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It's my first Caramel Monsoon since freshman year. Wow. Yeah. Well, you're welcome for having it here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, you're Christian, welcome. for having me. You're welcome. <sighs> yep. Because I'm such the more experienced podcaster. That was a great interview. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're Don't you're be cocky, going man. on 300. Don't be cocky. Oh, right? of course not. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm another thing. You got to be consistent. 17? You got to be persistent. You got to be self-disciplined, and you have to keep the same mindset th- through and throughout. Don't don't big league me after uh, after 20 episodes. Okay. <laughs> what? Please, I'll have you on whenever. Hey, I'm available whenever. I'll be here, glued to this seat. All right. Except not now. So so you'll so you'll be here to uh, to interview with me for. Yeah, let's do it. All right, sweet. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, this is the longest goodbye I think I've ever had on I know. I, okay, I haven't quite figured out how to say goodbye. I, I don't know how to say goodbye in general. It's called the Irish goodbye. I, I'm an O'Hara, so I'm 100% Irish. The Irish goodbye is literally just leaving and not telling anybody. You can't do that with a podcast, though. I've learned that the hard way. Can you? Ho, ho, ho. Perfect segue. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.